Welcome to the Quadcast, brought to you by the Mary Christie Foundation, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well-being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Foundation and the host of the Quadcast. Today, we continue our series with college presidents and COVID-19 with Dr. Connie Book, the president of Elon University. Dr. Book, welcome to the Quadcast. Thank you for having me, Marjorie. Excited to, to be here and talk about this important topic today. So Dr. Book, you attended the Mary Christie Foundation's Higher Education Leadership Convening on College Student Mental Health, and I know this is a huge priority for you at Elon. So today we want to talk about student mental health in the context of COVID-19 and the related events of the last 12 months. So I guess my first question, however, is really more general, and it's just that I would imagine 2020 is a year college presidents will likely never forget, even though they might want to. So if you could give us a glimpse of what life has been like at Elon since March of last year. So you know, like other universities, we responded to the arrival of the pandemic and COVID-19. We sent students home and finished out our spring semester online, shifted all of our courses. Elon has about 7,000 students, and it was a tough closure to the spring semester. Semester. And then the summer was really spent reimagining higher education and how we might deliver our residential model with COVID-19. And so we are one of the universities that reopened. I, I want you to know, because we're talking about mental health today, that it is a, a challenging student issue, but it was a community issue, <laughs> you know, that all of us were using different tools the days were long as we tried to do our work and reimagined without having our normal structures, meetings and lunches where we could talk about things. So mental health was on my mind front and center for our community of faculty and staff, as well as our students when we reconvened this fall. When they did arrive and I saw our students and you could physically see the impact of the pandemic on their facial expressions, on their manner. And that was true for many of our staff too. And, you know, every family's situation is different. When I saw the profound impact of the previous months on our community as we reconvened, I knew that it was going to be a challenging fall semester not just because of the pandemic, but because of the mental health and well-being issues, even for the healthy members of our community. So we did have a bumpy fall semester as we learned how to be in class together, how to be in work together, but we made it. <laughs> and we bought ourselves time, right? So we now have better testing. The vaccine has arrived. And as we reconvened for the spring semester, we all have remarked that we can feel the difference here mm. on campus as people are working their way back to whatever the new normal will be. Right. So let me take you back to the, your comment about how you could really see the impact, the, the toll that the pandemic was taking on students and staff. Did you mean that it was just, you could almost see it on their faces? You absolutely could see it. I mean, I, you know, from a, a very basic level, some had lost an enormous amount of weight. Others had gained weight. You could see around the eyes, the fatigue, 
So, you know, just the physical, just seeing it rather than reading about it caused me to pause. And I came, I came back and I, and this is after our opening week, you know, where we were checking people in and I came back to the senior team at Elon and knew then the challenge that we had because it impacts our ability to work. And then also the students, just the learning, right? To, to learn, you have to be in a a certain mental state of of open and thriving and well-being just to learn. Right. I, I knew that the learning was going to be more challenging because of the, the mental health and well-being issue. Right, right. So, Connie, I'm not surprised that you have recognized sort of the synergy between physical and mental health right away, just, just knowing a little bit about your approach. I was going to ask you about your peers. So one of the motivations for this series is the fact that college presidents are reporting high levels of concern about student mental health, you know, right up there with their physical health and safety. You saw the ACE poll that showed that 70% of presidents identify student mental health as among their most pressing concerns. Obviously, you felt that from the beginning, correct? Correct. Let's talk a little bit about what your clinicians are saying and what what they're seeing in students. So the data are showing, you know, increased rates of anxiety and depression. Is it your sense is this the, is it the isolation, the disruption, the uncertainty? Sort of what what are your folks telling you about about what they're seeing in students? It is it is the anxiety. I think it's also not being able to have the kinds of relationships that uh, give us comfort. You know that the screen we don't know all the all the data yet. Like we don't fully understand the muted. What I'm going to describe as a muted experience because we're on a screen. But it is different to be on a Zoom call with 15 people than it is to be around the table with 15 people. Mm-hmm. We can feel it. I'll share this real briefly. I had this this uh, habit that I've adopted of going around campus and trying to touch base with students. So it's a walk around, if you think about management by walking around. And I usually try to bring a couple of students with me. And of course, I bring things with me like ice cream and popcorn balls or something to give them, you know, something happy. So I walked around and I brought two students with me and we, we have a quad here. And you, in that course, it takes a couple of hours to do the walk around, but you interact with about two or 300 students and we just stop and have sidewalk conversations. Well, and we were masked. I mean, it was outside. It's it's all very healthy walk around. And we got to the end and we we met up on the sidewalk with three students who were leaving a German class, German for business. And we started going back and forth with the very little bit of German I know. And, and, it was such a natural exchange. Even I, even I felt it. It was felt very comfortable back and forth. Well, after we finished that conversation, one of the students I was with, she stopped me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, Dr. Book, I have not in a year talked to this many people all at once. Wow. And she started to cry and it was more of, it was, it wasn't a sadness. It was a cathartic kind mm. of cry. And that's the piece about mental health and well-being that I'm doing a lot of thinking about because it, this student is not suffering from mental illness. This student is suffering from something else that the community of people give us. 
And that's really what our counselors are talking about. From a counseling perspective, I know I saw the research come out this week that said that counseling appointments were actually down by many universities. At Elon, we're seeing about the same. They're not down and they haven't increased. What we are seeing, because we have switched to teleservices for mental health, Mm-hmm. We are seeing a reduction in the missed appointment or the no-show. It's clearly allowing students accessibility to mental health and, and well-being resources at a greater level because we've switched those services to teleservices. Right, right. Two questions there, Connie. One is, do you see advantages in the proliferation of the telehealth services? Are are the counselors reporting that it may be actually a good mode for certain students? Yeah, absolutely. And students are comfortable with it. I do think we'll end up in the new normal with choice around this. Right now, we're full telehealth services uh, on campus. But I do think there will be for some students that this is um, the preferred way to to access services and and it will be a, a new tool going forward. Yeah, I've been hearing about that from other folks uh, and administrators as well as counseling center directors who might have been surprised by that, but are now sort of accepting that as maybe another new option for students. Back to the the young woman with tears in her eyes. God, I can I absolutely can relate to her in terms of you know the sadness and the fatigue of all of this. A lot has to do with the lack of human connection, correct? I mean, as she said, she hadn't spoken to someone in so long. You guys have a bit of an advantage in that until recently, your weather had permitted you to do more outside. What are some of the strategies that you have practiced there around trying to to combat some of that isolation and loneliness? So we are, you know, that's a great question. And it came back, we did do a student survey early in the fall semester to find out what's working, what's not working. And some of the things that we've done that are working is one, we outfitted the campus with fire pits and outdoor furniture. All across campus, new outdoor ways to to engage. One of the things that many students do when they come to campus is they have what we call organizational fairs, org fairs, where you can, if you like yoga, you get to meet the yoga club. I like table tennis, so I'm the advisor for the table tennis club. Uh, And Normally, we have a big fair around that. And what we did was we flipped it online and had them do that online. But then it came back that they missed meeting the people. So what we did was redesign that whole event into small groups, (laughs) small groups. So in order to keep people healthy, we have dozens more events but that the size of them are being kept small. What is an outcome of that is they actually are talking to each other more. So you imagine you go to a party and there's 100 people there and you really only visit well with two people and the other 98 you say hello to and smile. The party has, you know, five people. You end up really getting to know the five people there. And that's what we're seeing. More events, smaller that are deeper and more meaningful. Wow, that's interesting. That's maybe another silver lining or something that might be positive that you retain going forward after this is this is all over. I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your plans this spring, and it does sound like there is hope 
to be had. But I want to go back to this past year. So 2020 was a triple whammy for some students, you know, students of color, low income students, not only did the pandemic disproportionately impact lower income communities, but, you know, obviously the racial injustices so vividly demonstrated this past year of layered on trauma. And the economic problems have caused more financial worry. That's These are all huge subjects. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about what your experience have been with these students at Elon and, and how your school's responding. Yeah, I call it the trifecta of pain, <laughs> of uh, the pandemic, social injustice, and then a divisive uh, political environment. At Elon, we are experiencing negative impact from, from all three of those. We are a predominantly white institution, and we are creating spaces, and sometimes we're successful at that, sometimes not successful for more dialogue and action to support our students of color, you know, and and to build the skill set among faculty and staff to, to do that, you know, to do that in an informed and productive way. And then we actually around, we, we have a deliberative dialogue and our Elon votes bipartisan effort really came front and center in the fall and did outstanding work at helping students navigate a very difficult political environment. We closed the streets down and had a big public art project where we wrote the hopes for our future on outdoor boards and really a positive way for us to embrace voting as the primary way that we advance change in our country. So, you know, all of those, all of those are impacting us and all of us are learning how to manage and have a a productive learning environment for student success in the middle of that. I will say, I think there's been uh, a deepening of distrust of higher ed, partly because from my seat, we've had to make so many decisions in very public ways, and people had clear opinions, you know, in one way or another about what we should do. And so you've got universities making these decisions and folks not <laughs> not happy on either side. And it's just caused this, this quick turn and very transparent decision making that impacted students and families has caused distrust. So we're making a lot of intentional efforts to advance trust, to communicate more transparently in the process. And to hold ourselves more accountable by using more public dashboards uh, on our progress. And one thing I want to share that we've done, Marjorie, which is is brand new at Elon, is in order to, and this is in the mental health space, in order to prepare our incoming first year students who we know have had a very difficult senior year in high school. For for the first time, we're offering all of the admitted students a course for credit, free of charge, on mental health tools for well-being in life. It's called Creating a Resilient Brain, and it's being taught by a very talented psychology professor here at Elon, and it has five modules, and we're watching these students start to sign up. And so this is laying new groundwork for us to prepare students in a different way for the collegiate experience, particularly in this, at this time and in this environment. 
Wow, that sounds fantastic. And I'm not surprised that Elon is actually uh, the cusp of this. I think I've heard about this being tried at, at colleges and universities throughout the country, but it is interesting that it, I wouldn't say took a pandemic, but it it actually is a result of what you were seeing in terms of the anxiety of incoming students, correct? Correct. And wanting to be proactive in the time before they arrive and teaching this, you know, it's a toolkit of skills. And obviously the Mary Christie Foundation, others have provided great information and, and tools. And this is a structure for being able to deliver them to students in advance of arriving so that they can deepen that work when they get here. Yeah, that that's terrific. And it's also part of uh, something we talked about, Connie, when we were at Georgetown together, is really getting more upstream, right, in our Absolutely. mental health support, not just looking at students who are coming to the counseling center, because as we know, so many don't, and so many won't. But those kind of environmental strategies that we can try that might prevent some of the distress that students are reporting. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I can't help but uh, think about permanent changes, right? Things that are either you wish you'll never see again, or you're kind of glad that you tried. And, And you'd also talked about how higher ed has changed in terms of, you know, sort of the relationship with families. What do you think are some of the the bigger changes that will become more permanent in higher education, whether it's admissions policy or mental health or learning styles that we will see well beyond, you know, when everyone is vaccinated and back on campus? I do think accessibility has really changed. I don't know about you, but when we hold a meeting, more people are coming because it's online, it's on Zoom. And so we're able to engage more people in in just general, you know, administrative function, but also in deep thinking about some of, for example, new curricular pathways. And this is an aspect that I think is really going to change higher ed. And I think it's here to stay. I do think we'll continue to have face-to-face meetings, but I think they will be designed in such a way that people can access them remotely as well. So there are more voices in the mix. And it is allowing for us to see our work differently from different perspectives. And so I think the accessibility issue, you know, no more ivory tower, no more even having to drive to campus, which in itself can be intimidating uh, and park your car and go into one of the academic buildings. So higher ed is much more visible, much more accessible. And all of these tools that we're learning, particularly in the mental health space, I mean, think about all the, we we have several screening tools that students can use that our faculty and staff can use to help track their mood and feeling and, and where they are. We also have interventions that we've designed that are working. So uh, a more intense review of, we have an infectious disease team, for example, on the pandemic that's helping manage disease. We have You know, you think of the Monday morning team that looks at students at risk. Well, now we have a lot more data points that we're using there. Things like 
the reports on from our data, our Zoom, class engagement, the swipe data, so that you can see this in a dashboard. So all of these new tools, I think, are keeping higher ed more responsive, more accessible, and I do think they're here to stay. I did look at your website and was pretty impressed with your COVID-19 dashboards and all of the sources of information that you provide for students. So much of it is about communication too, right? I mean, is that something that you think is probably ramped up? Or, or, or has it been in, you, in your case? Yes, absolutely. So we, and what we've done is we have notified the community when to expect those communications. So they don't come randomly and we've timed them so they don't appear while students are in class, only in the breaks between class so that you don't suddenly have all the students reacting to an email coming out from the VP of First Student Life. So that, that's a great point that we are communicating a lot more. I've done several town halls, all of those are open, accessible, people can submit questions, you know, and in real time live, which, you know, for for university presidents can be challenging. But I, I have to say the community, even in the tough questions, people are have it's been good. It's been more transparent. And I think that is giving people trust and they can watch you process the question and 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 think about the answer. And so they get to understand a little bit about how you think and operate under stress. So it's funny, between your walkarounds and the remote communication, people are seeing maybe more of you. I absolutely believe that's the case. <laughs> and it's mostly, you know, right through media on those town halls. But I, I have seen more parents than I absolutely would have ever seen in a normal residential semester. That's so interesting. Let me just uh, let you go because I know you have... A few things to do as a college president, but I, I, I wanted to ask personally, what were some of the big takeaways for you personally? What have you, what have you learned that you were perhaps surprised about? this past year? You know, that's a great question. Each of those painful trifectas we talked about have certainly impacted me. The pandemic, I've, I've learned a lot about health, about personal risk, you know, and, and my role in communicating to the community about the, the power of taking care of themselves. You know, as a leader, we're often called on to do leadership kinds of discussions. And I always make sure I include about the energy of leadership. And I mean that from every, from every role anyone ever has, how important it is to take care of your own personal energy and, and the pandemic, the social justice issues, the, the divisiveness and the political climate, all of those things coming at all of us at once. It's really difficult to be productive at work. Mm. Uh, so making sure that there are times in, around social media, that there are times that I turn things off. And I have done that more in the last year than in the previous stages of my career. Meaning I went for a, a hike without my cell phone. <laughs> you <know>? Unheard of. <laughs> you know, uh, those kinds of moments, you know, I, I spent more time with my kids because of the pandemic. They're 28 and 26. So, but because of their work going remote, we were able. So, just those kinds of pauses to the many things in which this year has really punched at us. Right. You know, that just to take those pauses have helped with my energy to, to be present to the leadership 
challenge. And I think that's so helpful for students as well when they hear, particularly a college president, talk about her own experiences and you know how hard it's been for her. And you started out this conversation talking about mental health writ large in the community. So it sounds, Connie, like you haven't been sort of <laughs> segmenting this into student mental health versus you know faculty. It's it's really everybody, right? Absolutely. And and there's even time to cry in the middle of this, right? That to give people permission, because there's a lot of loss that people have experienced this year. You know, and, and of course, the death and loss, but just loss generally mm-hmm. about uh, the way in which the confidence in which we approached our work because we knew the tools. You know, just I, I, I see a lot of loss and, and giving permission to people to grieve that, right? The, the old way is gone and there were things we liked about the old way. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I do try to talk about the, the grief and and I think that also gives me permission to talk about the opportunity. Well, that was my last question to you was about the opportunity. I'm sitting here in Boston and we still have ice and snow. <laughs> and I know you guys have had your weather issues too, but pretty soon it'll be beautiful in North Carolina and you'll you'll be issuing in a spring and I'm I'm assuming your vaccination program is rolling out. What are you hoping for? What do you think you'll be seeing when when May and June come? So we did get notice yesterday about the schedule for the student vaccine. So I'm grateful we'll be able to deliver that before the students head home, which I wanted them to be able to leave campus and arrive to their internships or summer employment having had that vaccine. You know, I, I thought that was important for us closing the door on, on this academic year. I do anticipate that this will not be, you know, when you are talk about snow, when you're uh, coming down the slope, you think about this, you know, the hard journey is the up and the easy is the down. I actually don't think that will be the case with the pandemic, that the downward slope will be bumpy and that it's going to take us time. At first I was thinking, well, in a year we'll we'll have it back. But now I think it's going to probably take us two, maybe three years to, to fully realize how things have changed. We're going to have loads of research on what's unfolded and reflection about the last year that will inform the way we move forward. And I'm looking forward to that. We're having a campus reflection this semester before we exit in May, where all of our units are going to be asked to reflect, students as well, on on this year in hopes that we can create a body of knowledge that will help us with this bumpy downward slope on uh, uh, set us up for a little success as we enter into the next academic year. Well, that is both pragmatic and super hopeful. So I want to thank you again for having shared all those experiences with us today. Dr. Connie Book, president of Elon, thank you again and good luck with all your great work there. Thank you, Marjorie. Great to talk with you. This has been The Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Foundation. To learn more about our work, go to marychristiefoundation.org, where you can sign up for our other programs, the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. 